we're in a new house, as you know, you know, Um, and when people come to see the house, I always say to people, oh, Richie was able to put that together. It came to us. We bought it Mm -hmm. online and it came to 150 pieces and he put that together. I know that that makes him feel good, that I admire that he did such a good job. Uh So, you know, in little ways, and and what did that cost me? A minute of my time. Mm -hmm. But that lets him know that I really appreciate him. So do the things that you did before you were married. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman writes some prescriptive remedies for a great marriage for all you listeners. Stay tuned. The whole mission of Hitched is to help couples enjoy their marriage and live happily ever after. That's one of the reasons we have the Hitched Wine Club. We wanted to offer something that would be a reminder every month for couples to sit down, reconnect, and enjoy the company of one another. We have partnered with the fantastic Touring and Tasting, who hand-select the wines that will hey be delivered everybody, to welcome your back. door This is Steve month. Cooper, editor-in-chief You can go to our website, hitchmag.com, click on the wine once again link, by the and check out the Dr. different Karen club Sherman. options Hi, Karen. available to you. Hi, again, Steve. visit Hello. hitchmag.com uh, and click the wine club <laughs> today, link. Cheers. Um, Karen and I are going to talk about... Um, well, let me let me back up first. Uh, first, I want to let you know that Karen, for those tuning in for the first time, is a practicing psychologist in rela- uh, relationships and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, Make It Last. You can get this info at her website, drkarensherman.com. Um, and so on to the topic. So I, I came across this article today. Uh, which talked about a an associate professor in human development and family studies at the University of Illinois. Uh, his name is Brian Ogolski. Um, uh, he's actually, we've covered some of the stuff that he has done in the past. Um, and so what he has done this time and why we're talking is he has gathered more than 1,100 studies on what makes love last. Um, excuse me, anybody who has listened to this podcast or follows the content that we post on our site or, uh, follows us on social media knows that there are constantly studies coming out about relationships, uh, which is great. Um, this is how you learn about things as you study them. And he has put together this list of, uh, all the different things that people have learned that are effective and what also does not work. Um, So one of the things that he does say, though, is that what he is offering um, as an assessment of looking at these 1100 studies is what he describes as descriptive, not prescriptive. Um, I want to basically jump into getting it to be prescriptive uh, because we know some things work. And just like a doctor would prescribe medicine based on uh, symptoms I think if we make the assumption that you have a what would be considered a level, even keel type of a relationship, nothing's really bad, um, but you want to make love last, we want to kind of dig through some of the things that we can prescribe to you that will make it uh, thrive. And so uh, just to kind of give you a hint at what some of the things that uh, Brian offered was 
including open lines of communication, uh, the importance of humor, uh, doing things together. Uh, so this is all good stuff, but uh, I want to go to the hitched expert here, Karen. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Um, I know I was long winded there, Karen. And we were just talking a minute ago about, you know, we've covered a lot of this stuff before. But honestly, if you want stuff to stick, if you want people to retain this information, it's OK to repeat a couple things here. So uh, we apologize in advance if if you have heard some of this before, but hopefully it's a friendly reminder and something that while you know it, you haven't really acted on it. So maybe it's a repetitive bit of information, but this is the episode that will get you to jump and act on some of this stuff. So first, Karen, let's start with something uh, we know couples should avoid based on okay. research. So I'm going to offer a slight tweaking of when Brian talks about open lines of communication. Okay. And I'm going to do it because within several of my couples this past week, I had to actually uh, prescribe this to them, shall we say, based on our conversation Love today, it. which is do not assume that you know what your partner is thinking. Um, and, and rather, even though I know that we're supposed to now be talking about what you should avoid, um, avoid, you know, keeping things to yourself. Let's, let's put it that way. Because we get into trouble that way. Now, you know, we all know the expression that assuming something makes an ass out of you and me. However, (laughs) um, it's amazing how often we think we know what our mate is thinking or feeling or is how they're going to react. And therefore, we then respond based on what our thoughts are. And then our partner will then respond to the behavior that we exhibit based on our assumptions. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. And it turns out that the initial thinking um, or assumptions were incorrect. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to um, make an assumption, and it's a really easy solution. Ask. (laughs) That's what you have to do. Now, you know, a lot of people hesitate because they are afraid, well, my partner's going to think I don't know them well enough, mm-hmm. or they're going to, they're afraid of what the answer is going to be. There are ways to ask the question. So it comes off as very caring and loving. So if you say, you know, um, I, I want to make sure that I really take your needs into consideration. So how do you feel about so-and-so or such-and-such? Or, you know, I don't want to jump to any conclusions. Can you clarify for me how you feel about this or, you know, whatever? Sure. But the the basic premise is I'm asking because I do care about you. Mm -hmm. Um, So avoid thinking you know everything about your mate. I don't care how long you've been married. Yeah. And, and, you know, it doesn't well, matter. You don't know. Yeah, I was just going to add, um, no matter how long you've been together, uh, we evolve. So the, something that happened to me yesterday might affect how I think today, which is different than how I felt or thought two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you just never know um, what, what might influence somebody to, to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, so then what is something else that you think, before we get into the what thing, p- things people should do, what's mm-hmm. one other thing that you think is um, prescriptive in avoiding? Uh, don't keep your feelings to yourself. Mm, okay. Um, I know of several marriages that ended up in a lot of trouble because uh, people are afraid to really let out what they're feeling for two reasons. One is for fear that if I tell my mate how I feel, I'm going to hurt their feelings. The other is, and if I say how I feel, then my partner may be upset with me and that might damage the relationship. But what often happens is if you hold your feelings in, and they're obviously negative feelings, then they build, they build, they build. And as I've used the term before, it leaks in some other way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it really gets extremely bad. And the person does something in the form of leaving the relationship. Um, And so that's far more damaging. Mm. So you are much better off sharing your feelings, but again, with the, let's say, introduction of there's something I want to talk about with you, and it's not a comfortable feeling, but I'd rather risk sharing it with you than have it build up and really end up creating a much bigger problem. Mm-hmm. You know, are you willing to hear it? Are you, can you, do you think you're open to hearing my feelings? Um, and, and I was just going to say, we've talked about this in the past, but one of the things you do with something like that is you talk about how this is how you feel and it's not right. necessarily rational and it's not necessarily the other person's fault. Correct. Um, but those are your feelings. And if you're the person hearing the feelings and it does hurt you, it's mm-hmm. still okay to validate those feelings because they can have those feelings even if it's not a rational feel. <laughs> on their Correct. Part. Now, the other part, and I think I think what you brought up leads me to another um, something you shouldn't do, but also something else. Okay. The more that it builds up in you, the harder it is going to be to present it in a calm way. So you're more likely to be so frustrated and so upset that now it's going to burst out and it's likely going to come out in an attack form. So you don't ever want to attack your mate because that's just not going to go over well. Um, So that's another thing to avoid. But aside from that, um, when you're speaking and when you're going to present something that's negative, it would be best if you said you, you own it. I'm not necessarily saying that this is something I'm blaming you for. I'm sharing a feeling I'm having. Mm-hmm. So own that it's your feeling. And as you just said, you can't help how you're feeling. Um, but you, you would really, it would really be best received if you let the person know I'm not blaming you, but when such and such happens, in other words, you objectify the situation, I end up feeling, you know, X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let, let's flip the script a little bit here and okay. let's talk about some of the positives. Uh, okay. What do we know from studies and from research uh, that works to help keep uh, lasting love thriving? 
Well, we know across the board that the number one factor is being respectful to your mate. So that comes in a bunch of different forms. It's the tone of your voice. It's not rolling your eyes or making, you know, noises, you know, that indicate that you're being, you know, like, yeah, you know, Um, it's, you know, truly listening. And if the person is not available to listen because I'm in the middle of something, then you just say, I really want to hear what you have to say, but now's a bad time. Don't, you know, pretend that you're listening and not listen. Because that's basically sending the message to the person speaking that you're really not important and what you're saying is not important. And that's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, don't minimize the person and what they have to say. Um, it may be a different point of view. And you mentioned this you know, a little while ago. It may be a different point of view and you don't have to agree with it, but do hear it out. And respect that we're different people and we may see the world differently. Um and, you know, that's fine, uh, but, but don't put the other person down because they are presenting something that's different than you. So, again, the number one factor across the board, every study I've ever read, mm-hmm. is that respect is the key to having a long-lasting and thriving relationship. What, one of the things that I love about that uh, is – Respect is one of those things where it's a level playing field. It, no matter what the circumstances your relationships come from, started at, um, where you're located, what your financial status is, it doesn't matter. Like respect mm-hmm. is something everybody can provide to their, right. their spouse. Uh, mm-hmm. that, like it's not about what your astrological sign is like, it's just, it just, it's just one of those super simple things that we can all understand and we can all execute on. So I love that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So give me uh, a second one, please. Well, I think it's important that you do, um, you know, one of the things that Brian mentioned in his study, according to you was have fun. Um, I think it's important to mix it up. Um, that you do things that are different in your relationship, not let it become humdrum, not do the same thing day in and day out, the same routine. Um, It becomes boring. It becomes stale. And, you know, there are some people who like a lot of difference and change and some people who, you know, don't need as much. But at the end of the day, everybody needs novelty, needs change. And so it's important that the couple... Um, incorporate that into their relationship. Um, It doesn't have to be that you're going to jump out of planes. Um, It could be as simple as going to different restaurants or trying different ethnic foods. But you don't want to um, do the same thing day in and day out um, because then something else comes along that catches your eye and is exciting and it's it really becomes you know one of those sparkly things that mm-hmm. that you want to that you want to take a look at <laughs> i you know i i was thinking about this the other day about how um we used to do as and i let me back up as a society we used to go on vacations a lot more than we do today and a lot mm-hmm. of that is the the nature of the workforce that we have and the types of jobs that people have and 
and the benefits that are offered and all that other stuff. So there's that part of it. And because uh, the American workforce doesn't do the vacation, like the annual vacation like they once did, um, for me, I was just thinking about how important date nights are, which we talk about all the time. Um, and to your point, like these little moments of novelty that you can carve out and create for yourself, they don't have to necessarily be date nights, uh, just trying something new, but the fact that you don't have, uh, or at least a lot of families don't have that like two weeks to just drop everything and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think this stuff is even more important today to find those little moments where you can carve out that little bit of novelty, even if it's trying the new restaurant, uh, down the street that just opened up or checking your local newspaper to see what events are in the area or whatever it might be. I just, I just think it's really important today because th- the biggest thing that I hear most people complain about is the fact that they just don't have time to do things. And so mm-hmm. I think you just have to make it important to do these things. And so, uh, Dr. Karen Sherman is prescribing you guys do something novel and fun together. So there you go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So what's a, what's a final uh, important one that you think couples should uh, adhere to? Okay. I'm not going to mention trust Okay. because to me, trust is like Baked everybody in. can tell you trust. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you don't have trust, then you got to come see me. All right. <laughs> but um, I think a final important one mm-hmm. is do what you did when you were dating. Mm. Meaning, do all the little niceties. Mm-hmm. Um, those little niceties um, helped the other person know that they mattered. Mm-hmm. Showing appreciation, complimenting each other, um, sending a text, I'm thinking about you. Um, those were the little things that let the other person feel special that they really meant something to you. Um, They don't take a lot of effort. Uh, They don't take a lot of money. Um, But they, again, mean a huge amount. So show your appreciation. Um, You know, I happen to, not every night, but many nights, most nights, I cook dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, And my husband always says to me, this is a good dinner, or I'm really enjoying this dinner, or this is really tasty, something. He lets me know that it was worth the effort that I cooked. And so then the next night I'm willing to cook again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it means a lot. Um, there was an interesting article I saw, I don't remember where it was, it may have been on Facebook of all things, talking about what are the romantic things that a male could do. Mm. And even though, you know, we've come so far and this is 2017, it was open the door for the female, Mm. pull out her chair, tell her she looks pretty, um, you know, periodically bring flowers. Those little things really end up um, saying you're special. Now, of course, on the other hand, the woman should tell a guy, boy, you know, I'm really impressed with what you did um, because guys very much are about feeling like they did a good job or something that was really good. I can't believe, you know, when we're, we're in a new house, as you know, you know, yeah. um, and when people come to see the house, I 
always say to people, oh, Richie was able to put that together. It came to us. We bought it online and it came to 150 pieces and he put that together. I know that that makes him feel good, that I admire that he did such a good job. Uh So, you know, in little ways, and and what did that cost me? A minute of my time. Mm -hmm. But that lets him know that I really appreciate him. So do the things that you did before you were married. The the thing that I love about that, to your point, it's super easy to do. And I think another way of looking at it is when you were dating – you were trying to impress them. That's correct. You were you were attempting to woo them into thinking like you were the person that they should be choosing. And right. you're you're kind of reinvesting in that, letting them know that you made a good choice mm-hmm. uh, by trying to continue to impress them. And I, I love the the um, acknowledging Richie's efforts when he builds something or something along those lines, because not only does it make him feel good, but it also builds him up to other people, which gives mm-hmm. like a compounded effect of good self-esteem and not to mention how loving he would feel towards you for saying such nice things in front of company. So that's right. That is, that's right. that is a great one. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this one up? Well, the one thing you want to, and I'm, it's an extension of respect. Okay. Um, you don't, you don't uh, put your partner down mm. um, in yeah. front publicly or humiliate them. If there's something that's upsetting you, save it for when you're in private. And building on the appreciation, again, build your partner up in front of people because that's going to make them feel like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, if you if you disagree with your spouse, because I think this is important to kind of hit on just briefly, uh, I think it's okay, and you can disagree with me, but I think it's okay to disagree with your spouse, but doing oh, so, going back to the first thing of being respectful and how you mm-hmm. go about disagreeing, yes. because I think that also shows um, some independence within the relationship, which is also, we know, important to a healthy mm-hmm. relationship as you maintain some level of independence Mm-hmm. So that you each offer something unique contributing to the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to have a relationship either where you're joined at the hip or where, you know, one just is so uh, submissive to the other. Um, I yeah. think that you are respected more if you are your own person. Um, but again, it, um, being your own person doesn't mean that you bulldoze or, you know, are a steamroller over the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I uh I know I've come into contact with these couples, as I'm sure you have, and probably every listener out there, you go to a party or something and you meet a couple and one uh, one of the two of them just dominates the conversation Mm, and the other one just standing there the whole time. And you know they have a voice uh, and it might be, you know, they're not contributing or whatever, but the one person totally dominates Mm -hmm. and you walk away and you're just like, I have no idea how I feel about that other person. Cause they, I, they didn't say a word. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So there's that. That was a bit off topic, but. <laughs> well, but it was an important point. Yeah. Yeah. That it's important that as a, as a partner that you make sure that your mate is having a chance to shine as well. And that's, I think that's getting actually, let's bring this all the way back to you highlighting Richie's efforts and putting together the furniture in your new place. 
uh, you then have that opportunity to be say something like, you know, and he did this really great job, which then opens up the space for him to add his own two cents to the conversation Mm -hmm. about, you know, he could do the humble thing of, you know, it wasn't that difficult or, you you know, or be funny or whatever he does Mm -hmm. and then insert himself into that conversation naturally. And you gave him that opening through praise, which is like doubly awesome. Ah, every now and then it works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so there you have it, everybody. 1100 studies were looked at. Um, Brian Ogols, uh, I'm butchering his name, Ogolski, uh, associate professor at uh, the University of Illinois. Um, we will link to that article on the uh, podcast page with this episode. And, uh, and we have added to it. Uh, in our own little podcast comment section. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. This was insightful and uh, hopefully uh, helpful to the listeners. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I want to remind everybody before we click off here to uh, let you know that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information and much more at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also get tons of information, articles, etc. at our website, hitchmag.com. If you like what you hear, uh, please give us a a rating or recommend us to a friend. uh, And every little bit helps. Um, And if you have suggestions or thoughts or ideas, uh, hit us up on uh, any of the social platforms. You can email us uh, at our website. uh, And we love hearing from you. So uh, one last time. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right. That's going to do it. Take care, everybody. 